Hello everyone, welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. My name is Alvid Kahn and I talk about how you can start, run and sell a bootstrap business. This episode is called The Power of Omission. It's about killing features for fun and profit. Let's get started right away. If you add features to your product indiscriminately, you will end up with a gigantic bloated mess of software. One way to deal with this is to be very careful when deciding if new features should be added. Another rarely used approach is to remove unused and outdated features. Removing the cruft from your SaaS product is akin to pruning a hedge. You will end up with a more recognizable shape and a clearer vision of what your product is all about. Let me talk maybe a bit about how customers react when you remove features, because that's always on everybody's mind when it comes to removing. Because here's the thing with change, there will always be people who hate it, with or without reason. While notorious complainers can be safely ignored, and I think you'll already be doing this when it comes to feature requests and all these kind of things, do pay close attention to people who react negatively to product removal. Your target customers should be the ones that you delight with your product. And you never know how people use your product in weird ways until you break a workflow that you never even expected to be possible in your product. We had a couple of those. I'm going to talk about that later. You want to remove a file upload button, for example, because everybody drags their files into their browser and all your customer exploration video calls, you've seen people only ever do that. Well, there will be that one user you didn't record who uses their keyboard only. Removing that feature makes the whole product unusable to them all of a sudden. And that's not even taking into account accessibility at this point. So make sure you never remove accessibility features because you don't see the need for them yourself. Impaired users rely on these things to be able to use your product. So build as much accessibility as possible into the product from the beginning and don't remove it. That's really important. So let's talk about what to remove and when to remove a feature. In some way or another, every reason to remove a feature from your product boils down to feature creep. Here are a few examples, both with the reasons why they should be removed and how they come to actually happen in the first place. So remove unused features. Let's talk about unused features first. When customers stop using features, they either find a better solution to their problem or they have a different problem to solve. So as a result, unused features start to clutter the interface of your product and they're not providing any value to your users anymore. At best, there are a visual nuisance. At worst, they produce unintended side effects and start confusing your customers just by their presence, right? by being there in your UI. Your code base will also show signs of bloat when unused features stick around for too long and your product will become hard to maintain. We removed such a feature at Feedback Panda. It was initially introduced to allow our customers to migrate and amend their data from one product version of Feedback Panda to another. It was concerned with the integration that we had. As some of our customers were rather slow to adopt a new version, we left the interface component in for a long time and then we kind of forgot about it. So half a year later, when the last customer finally finished migrating, we got to remove the feature. And we thought everything was fine, but we did that. We removed the feature. Then we figured out that some of our customers had actually misused that feature 
to change their data in a weird way that we didn't understand before. They were just adding additional information into an ID field that was supposed to uniquely identify the record in our database. It wasn't meant for them to even put any notes or comments in, but some did. They saw the field, put something in, and started using it. So talk about a side effect. When we removed this, they complained. So we had to roll back the removing of the feature, allow them to migrate that data into another shape, and then we could finally remove the feature. So you never know, really. You will never know how unused features, in uh, quotes here, I guess, are really unused until you remove them. And then you'll figure out the one or two people that still use them in a weird way. Just as a reminder, that really happened to us. And it was a lot of work to get it back on and then remove it, like slowly migrate it out. So be sure that if you remove something, it really is unused. The second kind of feature you might want to remove is a feature that distracts from the focus of your product. Because sometimes you build things because you think your customers need them, but they turn out to be misaligned with the purpose of solving your customer's critical problem. Those features can make other features less effective or at least harder to find and use. It's the ultimate incarnation of feature creep. It's what will turn your product into a tangled mess if you don't regularly trim the fat. And I fall in this trap a number of times. Like I just want to build things that look cool because I've seen them on other websites and other products. But if it's really not the focus of your product, if it's not making it a sharper, more efficient tool, think about not adding it in the first place. And if you added it and you see it detracts from the focus, remove it as quickly as you can. Because if people don't use it or they use it because they are confused and they think they have to use it, it's not a useful part of your product. It's something that you force on people, but not something that they actually might want. The third kind of feature is just a feature that makes the product too complex. Just remove that. Very similar to features that distract your users are, I guess, those features that just overwhelm them. Many products have seen their customers churn because they became hopelessly complicated to use. And it all starts with the intent to provide more value, but it eventually turns into feature overload. So complexity, always kind of a hard problem to solve, particularly with a SaaS that just grows because of customers' feature requests and demands of the market. At some point, maybe consider splitting the product into two. Like we've always said to to ourselves at Feedback Panda, we're only going to build a templating and student CRM tool. That's what it's going to be. And if we're going to add other features to it, like an overcomplicated calendar or some, some sort of billing system or a way to track and schedule overlapping, potentially overlapping time slots, it's not going to be Feedback Panda anymore. It's going to be some other kind of panda. So we were, before we sold the business, already thinking of how we could expand this into a range of different products that may all interact with each other, but are essentially different products, each one solving one particular problem. So complexity of a software product can be solved by splitting it up, giving the work to another team, maybe, like having another developer work on those other kinds of features, just providing an API to your original um, product and spinning off a second business. Because um, first of it's diversification. That's really useful. And second of the complexity, the overall complexity of this kind of suite of products that you offer will be awesome for everybody who needs this particular complexity but there will be a lot of people who don't need it all. It's like if you were to buy all Adobe products at the same time, back when they still sold them individually, now you kind of have the cloud subscription and you get them all at the same time. At least you can access them at the same time, but you only ever need a couple. 
Like I have yet to see a person that installs and uses every single Adobe Creative Suite uh, product. I myself am using maybe five out of what, like 20 something that they offer. So offer a lot, but allow people to use the things they really need. So that brings me to the last kind of feature that you might think about removing. And those would be features that are expensive to maintain. Because this removal opportunity is often overlooked, right? You, sometimes you just pay the price. Some things that are part of your product may at some point cause performance issues or incur higher monetary costs than you're willing to pay. Often, it's easier or easy to engineer and maintain heavy-duty features at the beginning of a business with only a few customers. But I guess examples of that would be heavy background processing of customer data and complicated imports or export scenarios that are extensive. While limiting access to this feature may work at scale, removing is also an option. If it's do or die, right? If you have the funds and it still works out, there still is a margin in your business. You don't need to remove these things. You just need to optimize for them. But if your business might go into bankruptcy, if you don't remove this heavy background processing job, well, then maybe you just turn it into something else or you increase the price for access to this particular feature. Or you remove it. Remove it so you can survive and figure out a different way. Right? It's just really important when you're on this kind of brink um, between financial uh, implosion and could being able to continue to run your business. So let's talk maybe about how this feature creep that I've been talking about starts to happen. And it happens for many reasons. And they all come from a genuine belief that at the moment you conceptualize and build the feature... It's useful in providing value to your business and to customers. It's always there. You always think that. You never build something because you just want to build it. There's always this often internal but still present realization and um, this kind of attempt at convincing yourself that this is going to be valuable to your business and your customers. But of course, just because you believe so doesn't make it real. I've built many features that I felt to be absolutely necessary only to then later shamefully admit defeat and remove them a few months after launching them. Happened a lot, and I've learned quite a bit about my own attempt to convince myself of things that aren't really true. So here are a few situations where I shouldn't have added the feature, but I did anyway. Just going to be quite honest here. First one, I just really wanted to build it. Sometimes you're only interested in understanding how things work, and you think you need to build it at least as an engineer. And I did so with the Feedback Panda invoicing system. And that was a big mistake. Because what started as a simple part of our application, not much more than the list, ended up being a PDF generating monster and tax calculating monster of a feature. In retrospect, that's a rabbit hole I should have never even looked at from a distance. But I built it myself because I thought ah, I could do it. And I wanted to do it. I always wanted to build like PDF generating stuff. So I did. Not a good idea. There are so many solutions in the space and, well, yeah, that's just something I could have integrated easily and they would have kept up with compliance and integrations with other services. But no, I needed to build it myself. And it took not just, not only does it, did it take a while to build, it also took a lot of time to maintain because then you need to make it compatible with your tax advisor and with tax calculation in general and with your bookkeeping and with uh, reporting and exporting. And then you need to convince if you ever sell your business your acquirer that this is a good system. And then if they have their own system, you need to make it compatible. All of this stuff is really a non-issue if you integrate somebody else's invoicing system. So 
I wanted to build it, I built it, and that was a mistake. Second one, I just wanted to get and convert a big customer. At a prior startup that I was part of, I built several features for a prospective customer who promised to sign up if only those features were implemented. Of course, they never signed up, even when I deployed the changes, but we kept the feature in the application because we thought and we hoped that other customers could benefit it from somehow, right? They never did. So not only didn't we get our initial customer that we built this for, it never really acquired any customer um, at all. So really waste of time. We added something to the product that now was in the product and we needed to remove. I'm not quite sure if we ever removed it, but um, it was pointless. It was un- it was useless. So that is feature creep par excellence because you can see so clearly that a feature that you didn't need to build made into product and added zero value. And finally, I added a feature that I thought that was the one feature I needed to release um, for the product for things to start happening. And I think um, that was also with a prior startup that I was part of. And it was a classical example of the next feature fallacy. This thinking that the next thing you do will have this big impact you're waiting for. But usually it doesn't, right? Usually it will be yet another attempt at making a big difference and failing, or at least not succeeding. This is a great opportunity to dust yourself off and try again, but just make sure you remove the feature that has proven not to work. Just don't keep it hanging around. And there are a number of other reasons that can cause you to build things you shouldn't have. Premature optimization, like integrations, right? You thought you could use this eventually, and you better already have it in the product before you need it. Maybe you intend to eventually partner with a service somewhere in the field, so you build an integration ahead of time. But then the partnership falls through, it doesn't happen, and you never need it. And many technical founders have fallen prone to the sunk cost fallacy, thinking that since they already invested their time, the functionality needs to stay there because it might happen in the future. But it's also something that should have never been added to the product because it doesn't do anything. Then you're trying to capitalize on trends, which is not always wrong, but it can lead to problems because... Have you ever implemented social media-like functionality, even though your customers never interact? I, for, for a business um, that I was part of, I built a Facebook-like social stream with messages and comments and likes and all that stuff for, for farmers who never took the time to use it because they were too busy harvesting their vegetables. But social media feeds were everywhere. And so we thought we needed to have this too in our local food market product. And It was not required at all and completely unused, but we believed that we could pull it off. I actually wasted days of a vacation. I think I was on a cruise ship at this point, building this feature that was completely pointless. I could have just checked out South America that was like taking a cruise on at this point and I didn't because I was so interested in building the social stream with the likes and the comments and all this stuff that didn't have a single user. What a waste. And something that should have never even made it into the product. Then always uh, another thing. Oh man, there's there's so many things in this episode. uh, So many problems that I ran into that I should not have run into. But yeah, I saw it somewhere else and I looked and I thought it looked cool. Like founders, we get inspired by other software all the time because we use it a lot. And we look at it with with our own little founder perspective through a different lens than most users do. And then we build something very similar in our own products. But what we often forget is that every feature exists within the context of a product. That cool overlay animation you see in a social network for designers, 
that will completely confuse your almost technically illiterate users. If they are, right? Try to avoid things that are not essential to your product. Everything exists within a context. And if you look at other websites, other products, always keep that in mind. There's always a context. There's always a target audience with specific requirements and with specific perspectives and perceptions of how products should be. And that does not at all translate necessarily from one audience to the other. And then I guess uh, the last point, you just need to release something and it was quick to build. I've heard that story told a lot of times. And sometimes you just feel like you just need to do something. You haven't released a new feature in weeks and customers always have asked for something simple. It's not on your roadmap and you didn't put it on there because it wasn't essential, but you know it will only take an hour or two and you do it. And then you've wasted your time twice. You didn't work on anything meaningful and you will have to remove this feature again in the future because it's pointless. So don't just throw in a feature because you have the time to do it if it's not essential to your product. So no matter what your reasons were back then when you decided to build it, you need a slim and efficient product now. So trim the fat and start removing these obsolete features. So how do you remove a feature the empathetic way? Well, if you want to remove a feature, sunset it. Make a public announcement about the removal close to when people are um, who use the features would read it. And then turn it into an optional feature using some sort of configuration toggle. Change that toggle to default to an off state at some point and measure how many people react to this. Mostly either measure how many people interact with the component in your, in your front end, in your interface, or measure and break down a number of people who call you out on this change. People who care, people who are confused. Inform them how to re-enable it and how to work with a product without the feature. And if, they f if you feel confident that removing the feature won't impact a significant amount of your target customers anymore, remove it. And feature removal has multiple impacts. You can fully remove a feature, you can slowly wean customers off over a number of weeks, or you can phase out the feature via options until the last customer has stopped using it. Right? There's many ways, and they all kind of revolve around how much liberty at still using the features you want to give your customers. Either you decide it's gone or they decide it's gone. And no matter what speed you choose, the most important thing to remember is to communicate those changes to your users before and after you remove anything. This will reduce the friction between you and the customers. It will prepare them for an impending change and reduces the likelihood of them getting confused when it finally happens. And by keeping your customers in the loop, you're reducing the customer service load you'll have when you remove the feature. Also, once they know about the change, they can look for alternative ways to solve their problems if they were users of that feature before, right? It's always nice to have this in advance. So use all the instruments at your disposal to communicate the removal of features to your customers. Tell them in app or through an email, best both. You never know where they are right now and you need them to both know in advance through a thoughtful email and write when they are there or back in the product best in the location where the feature used to be. Update your knowledge base and prepare some kind of transitionary video that clearly shows how to solve the problem alternatively if needed. The more you invest in communicating a feature removal, the less work you'll have on the customer service front. And there will be consequences. Sometimes you will learn that some features are part of a very hard to change workflow. 
for some of your users. Removing the feature will cause you to lose the customer in these cases. And sometimes that's okay if the removal reduces complexity for everybody else. It's a balancing act, like all of business is. All entrepreneurship is choosing between multiple possible options. So be clear in your messaging and insist on making the product a distinctive, slim, and focused version of itself instead of succumbing to featureitis, right? Feature, featureitis, the, the kind of sickness of adding more features and features and features. Like if you ever looked at um, Microsoft Word before the latest versions with all the ribbons and all these little um, buttons that you could activate in it, like the whole screen would be full of buttons and there wouldn't be any space left to write. That's what featureitis is about. And if people ask you why you remove the feature that they used before, give them good reasons. Explain. Customers will understand when you say, less is more, and this is making the product better. And here are my reasons for that. For your customers, the overall usefulness of your product will trump individual features when they have the chance to think about it. Give them that chance and give them the opportunity to understand your perspective. They may complain, but unless they cancel their subscription, they will see it as a viable move. The only, yeah, only if they cancel their subscription will this be an actual problem. If they don't, it's fine. And finally, talking to customers before you remove a feature will allow you to spread out the haters. Because the complainers will complain over a few days, sometimes to you, sometimes in social media, but their cries and yells will be sparse and manageable. It's much better than when all hell breaks loose the same time when you remove a feature without telling anyone. That'll be a lot of work. So all in all, slimming down your product can have a net positive effect on the business, your customers, and the value they receive. Keep this tool handy when you're doing some business introspection. Not all questions have to be answered with, uh, what if we built this? Some questions actually deserve, uh, we don't really need this. Or do we need this? I've written about this topic and many more in my book, Zero to Sold. You can purchase that from Amazon on Gumroad and you'll find out more on zerotosoldbook.com and thank you for checking that out. Let me talk to you a bit more about my experiences with removing features because I had quite a, quite a few over the last decade. In this local food marketplace startup that I was part of and still am, um, we try to make this map. We try to allow people to find local markets, like farmers markets, things like this, where people that would uh, provide local food or farmers from the area surrounding Berlin, the city that I live in, would come and sell their local, regional, and ecologically sourced foods. And we had this big map of the city where all the, the markets, the farmers markets were, and that was really useful for, for most people that actually checked it out. And then we thought, hmm, let's add more. Let's make this better. Instead of just filling it with data that uh, people could use for their own scheduling, like getting that when they, what they get to the market, what would be there and all that stuff, we needed to, we, we thought we needed to add more visual complexity. And that reduced the clarity of this map because what we did is that we started linking both the location of the farmer, which could be anywhere in or around the city, with the market that they went to. And you can expect this to be a giant web, a lot of connections, just uh, um, on a map, you would have two pins and they would be connected with a line. And we did that for every marketplace and for every vendor and um, every farmer that went to the, those kind of farmer's markets. 
And it was a gigantic web of intermingled lines and different colors and all that stuff. And we thought that it was really helpful. Well, it wasn't. People got confused by it. They got confused. They didn't see where they really wanted to go. They, they didn't really care where exactly the local food came from. They cared about the fact that it was local and that they could have some sort of relationship and connection with the farmer at the market. Not really if it's if it was from the north of Berlin or from the south of Berlin. Didn't really matter to them. So all this visual complexity reduced clarity. That was a feature we needed to remove quickly. And once we did, people could use the product again. And it was such an incredible learning to me because it was like as the engineer building this in the front end, it was super interesting, like working with geodata and interconnectivity on a map that was like customizable and had a gradient and all these kind of engineering things that were interesting. People didn't care. The people that went to our website, they wanted to find local food. They didn't care about gradients. They didn't care about maps. They didn't care about lines. They cared about clarity and figuring out where they could get their apples, where they could get their vegetables. That's what mattered to them. And with Feedback Panda, we found something similar. Anything that was too technical was more confusing than it was helpful in terms of features. People want a UI that works for them. They don't want to work for the UI. And once we understood that, we made sure that anything administrative, anything that had to do with the account, anything that had to do with settings and yeah, configuring the interface was hidden away in a configuration dialog somewhere else. Nothing that was configuration should ever be in the day-to-day -day workflow user interface at all. Because we tried to keep the admin stuff in there and people didn't use it. They would just reach out to customer service for these things. I need to delete this. I can't delete it. Or I deleted something. I, I, don't, I want to restore it. Can you restore it for me? We had interface for that. Like I built something that allowed people to, it was like a history of their clipboard because uh, we couldn't expect many people to have clipboard management and people copied the wrong text and then they messed it up and they needed the text from like two versions ago or the thing they copied like 20 minutes ago. So we built something similar into our product, but people still didn't use it. They was like, like, I saved this like half an hour ago. Can you check out that version and can you send me the text? And even though I would guide them to the feature, they didn't care. Too administrative, too complicated for them. So we kept it simple. So anything that ended up being in the product that was administrative was invoicing and billing. Things that people would need because they were our customers and they were um, businesses themselves. But all other administrative stuff really lived in our backend. We had a, um, yeah, a backend administrative panel from which we could then get all these little deletion, undeletion, figuring out the old versions, checking out old versions and giving people access to them. Do that from our side after people <clears throat> would reach out to us. And that helped because even though it is a good idea, something that you want to do, that you want to help people with, they might not be able to conceptually understand it. They might not want to do it themselves. So it's not a feature that provides any value to them. So you might just as well not add it to, to your product. And think about it always really from the perspective of your customer. Is this something that makes their usage of your product easier? Because adding a feature doesn't make stuff easier most of the time, unless it replaces a complex feature. But if you add functionality, that will take a cognitive space in the mind of your customer. And you want to avoid that.
I know it's really not a usual thing to remove features from a product, but it has been very interesting every time I've done it. It's been always very nice to see not just how you can grow your product, but also how you can prune it. In most cases, people didn't care. Maybe that's that's important to say, because I told you about the story with the feature, that this migration data feature where people started complaining that they were still using it in some way. That is an example of how things can go wrong when you remove features. But honestly, so often you can remove features that are completely unused, that people don't need, and they will not complain about it because they don't care. And that is valuable because all of a sudden there's less for you to maintain and less for your customers to be confused by. If they don't care about it, why should it be there in the first place? So think about feature removal, not as a afterthought, but actually as a means to get your product to stay crisp, focused, and streamlined. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast today. You can find me on Twitter at avidkahl, A-R-V-I-D-E-K-A-H-L. And you can check out the blog at thebootstrappedfounder.com. You can find my book, Zero to Sold, at zerotosoldbook.com. If you have any questions about this episode, reach out on Twitter or send an email to arvid at thebootstrapfounder.com. If you want to support me in the Bootstrap Founder Podcast, please leave a rating and a review by going to ratethispodcast.com slash founder. It'll help other founders or founders-to-be to find the podcast and learn more about starting, running, and selling their bootstrap businesses. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.